what's up everybody and welcome to the first pre-recorded review from SDGC. Uh, tonight we are going to be talking about Destiny 2 Forsaken. Uh, it is the first major expansion for Destiny 2 uh, that came out last year. Uh, up front, just before we delve into it, uh, we were given a code from Activision for reviewing the game. Uh, it was a single code, the rest of the group has purchased it individually. Uh, so right off the top, Justin, I want to hand it to you. Uh, this game was originally pitched to, to people as the death of Cade 6, right? Yes. Um, yeah, like, th that whole thing was very interesting because it really seemed like a direct response to some of the criticisms that the community has had um, with Destiny's story and lore stuff, um, where it's been always kind of like, like, everything kind of gets wrapped up, like, the end nicely, and, you know, everything goes back to where it was before, at the end of each story, story arc. Like, a big threat comes, it gets defeated, everything goes back to normal. Um, the death of Cade 6, and, like, it being a full-on death, like, his ghost gets destroyed, he is donezo, um, was kind of adds that permanent, um, element to, um, to the game that I think people were really lacking. Um, and, you know, Cade was a popular character, so, you know, people actually had some, you know, actual emotional investment um, right. in the story for once. And, um, you know, Cade was also, you know, central to the criticism that, you know, things were getting a bit too jokey in Destiny 2. Um, I think uh, in Destiny 1, people criticized it for being overly serious, mm -hmm. um, which, which was fair, but I think... A lot of that comes more from the, just the sheer lack of context to whatever you were doing versus it just like people were just talking, you know, seriously about things that no one understood. And like you had to read the grimoire after the fact to even get any kind of semblance right. of understanding of what like, it even was. the I mean, so, even the tone in the tower has changed now, Justin. You know, yeah. Like yes. after, at you know, at yeah. the end of the vanilla Destiny 2 campaign, you know, when you defeat Gaul, you get access to the tower. Um, there's this, you know, this hopeful uplifting music and even after you finish the campaign of uh, of forsaken um it's just somber it, it, it's somber right. and dark and and and, and you, there's just this weight in the air that hasn't been there yeah before yeah and like and that was also you know kind of part of it too where you know destiny 2 is set up as the city is getting destroyed and then everything gets rebuilt and goes back to triumphant and fine at the at the end of it um, too. Whereas like like Cade Six being gone has changed things. Um, right. Plus, it also allowed like Zavala and Akora to kind of be a little bit different from how they usually are. Like Akora guy, um, you know, gets really heated, and she's the one that's usually like sparring yeah. with Cade and stuff. So I think that stuff was kind of good for you know fleshing out the vanguard and. Um, you know, just kind of giving us a sense of, you know, what we were, what, uh, you know, what we were fighting for. Um, right. It yeah. kind of, I think, I think making it feel like, you know, starting off as kind of a smaller scale thing instead of just, here comes a god, we need to kill the god, um, which is as cool as that stuff is, um, I think was something that the Destiny universe really needed. Yeah, and it, it's interesting, like, it is a much tighter experience because of that change. Yeah. Um, one of the really kind of strange things about Destiny for me, uh, since it's, you know, uh, released in 2014, the original, uh, was this idea of Guardians being a group of people banded together uh, to, to stop bad things from happening in the universe. 
but the gameplay largely to me always felt like a single player experience or at most you and two you know two friends so this this storyline being this really tight insular thing and we won't go deep into spoilers but the the whole thing from the get up is if you want to go avenge Kate 6 you don't have the blessing from people in the yeah. tower um, well, that, and that's just, and, it creates and, like a weird dichotomy between Zavala and and um, Akora. I, I had to tell Brain Fart on her name, uh, but but that, it really hasn't been there before. That that's it's a, it's a new kind of conflict between uh, you know between characters. And without giving any spoilers away, I think there's some really interesting implications for the interactions between those two characters going forward. Absolutely, they've introduced some political intrigue uh, between the two characters in the tower, uh, as light as it might be. Um, but yeah, it feels like an intimate, um, you know, lone wolf experience, even if you are with friends when you play it. Uh, and that darker tone that, you know, they kind of flirted with in the first game is definitely present in Forsaken, yep, right? Absolutely. Um, and one other thing that I think is really cool, um, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into, like, you know, spoilers and stuff, but, you know, Aldrin is made out to be, you know, the big villain of he's the one that you know takes the ace of spades um from kate and everything and um i think that's also kind of a cool throwback to the first destiny story trailer the one that was made before they rebooted the whole campaign um showed aldrin like in like kind of like a western setting holding a hand cannon at the player Mm. and saying this is how we discuss things out here and so by and like that was one of the you know big space westerny vibes and one of the you know one of the first times we actually saw a character in destiny so here having him come back you know ho- you know brandishing this hand cannon um you know out in the reef it kind of brings back that space western tone that like destiny was originally p- uh pitched with which i think is really cool right Right, and, and, and just, just a brief thing is is the reef from the original game is is now a new location or, or really a returning location, um, but it's an entirely different uh, uh, environment. It's just on the same kind of location in space. Um, yeah, I mean, we've never actually been able to explore the reef before. Right, right. Like, yeah, before it was just a hub, right? Yeah, it's been a hub, and then there's like a couple... Like, I mean, there's inside the Prison of Elders, um, and then, you know, a couple multiplayer maps, but it has not been... A patrol destination and it finally right. is now and i've been waiting like four years to finally actually wander around in the reef and and just just to keep it brief um i i would say again without getting into spoilers there is some really really strong character writing in this game outside of outside of the main cast in the tower i i thought even some of the villains we were fighting uh Set out from each other, both in quest design, but also in the way they talk and interact the, with the player. The barons actually have uh, some some character to them, uh, a little bit of flavor right. to them, which is something that we generally haven't seen in Destiny villains. Um, and John, can you explain to people who who the barons so are? The barons are basically um, uh, leaders of the Scorn, which are a mutated, corrupted form of Fallen, uh, and they they serve uh, Aldrin. Um, unquestioningly, right. they they are they are enthralled to Prince Aldrin. Um, there's twelve of them. Uh, I just a few off the top of Eight. my head. There's the machinist, the writer, um, the the hangman. Um, I, I mean, you know, the rifleman. They all have names. Uh, there there are several female um, uh, members of the barons. Um, I can't remember how many. I know the writer's a female, uh, which is interesting because we haven't encountered many prominent female villains in the game. 
Um, so, yeah. so or, or even or even really gendered enemies. Yeah, actually. at all. Yeah, uh, like, I mean, like, like, yeah. like, like, yeah, like, we've seen feet. Like, you know, there are female, female, male hive. You know, I mean, Omnigul was female, um, but you know, to have these characters with these personalities, like, like, they, they, as opposed to somebody like an Omnigul who just kind of flew around and screamed at the top of her lungs and shot fireballs at the player, or Oryx, who really, like, I mean, he. He was a big, he was a big evil high, you know, uh, hive god. But I mean, he didn't have a ton of interaction with the party. But but these guys actually will taunt you the whole fight. Um, right. They'll, they'll they'll taunt you. They'll um, they'll they'll get mad. Um, it's not. I mean, they're not deep. You know, they're not like you know deep cut character interactions. But at the same time, it infuses those battles with a flavor and a style that really is. So, at, the, at this point, we haven't really seen in Destiny before. Does that make any sense? Oh, one hundred percent. And I would say again, uh, you mentioned twelve. It, I think it's actually eight. Is it eight? eight? Uh, uh, I, think I think it's, it's eight. Nine. Is it? Okay. Oh, it's nine. It's okay. So, but I, I would say that the the fights with them um, are, are each split up, so you fight one at a time, uh, and it, they are some of the best encounters. They uh, they're Destiny. so. I mean, I, I, honestly, the period I think are the, be- the, the uh, an incredibly cool new group of enemies to to, to fight. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. All right, we should move on from the story. Uh, but, but I mean, I well, I mean, we're kind of transitioning good? into you know talking about yeah. gameplay with the different enemy types and the bosses yeah, and that, stuff. That's and, true. Like with adding the barons, it it kind of led to a pretty cool, um, almost kind of a different structure change um, that I really, really liked. Because you, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm just doing the story missions and it's like blow through them in a couple hours and then done. Like with the other campaigns. Um, because the barons are adventures. They're yeah. out in the patrol space. And the encounters with the barons feel like full story they missions. Yep. Like they're they're not they're not like as um thin as you know the adventures have been previously. Um so like they feel more integrated into the world, but also like I got to a point where I wasn't strong enough to take on, you know, the barons that were coming up. So like I had to go out and gear up. Like, it wasn't, like, a huge grind, but it just felt like I had a specific reason to gear up instead of just, like, getting raid ready, just trying to get to level cap and stuff. And then, you know, going through the Barrens, so there was, like, this big several-hour split between, you know, the first few story missions and then the last two. Um, right. Which made the whole experience feel bigger. I mean, there's five story—I think there's, like, five story missions. But it feels like a much bigger campaign— because of how the barons are integrated into the game and stuff, which I thought was awesome. Yep. Yeah, for sure. I mean, and, and there are some there are some other. I mean, uh, Justin, if you could touch on it briefly, they've entirely changed in terms of gameplay how mods work in Destiny Two. Did you really did you really notice any big? Did that really impact how you were playing the game at all, or not? Not so much. Uh, not not yet, because I'm saving my mods for when I get you know closer up to like the level cap and stuff. Sure. Um, however, um, I do want to weigh in on, you know, some of the other changes. Uh, I, I, we haven't talked about this yet, but um, the weapon slot system has been completely reworked. That's right. Um, talking about that. Uh, and s- do you, you want to explain it, or should I? Yeah, sure. So, so previously, uh, you could put rifles and submachine guns and pistols uh, and a couple other uh, uh, more generic weapon types. Uh, in your first two uh, slots, and then your power weapon was typically reserved um, to rocket launchers, shotguns, uh, 
and grenade launchers and swords. And now they've actually moved shotguns out into the first two weapon slots, which I think is actually a return to form from the first game. Uh, and really, it just it just adds some diversity to the way you play, uh, and as a result, uh, shotguns feel like a much more mainstay weapon, and they don't really feel like the powerhouses uh, that, that you rarely got to enjoy. Um, I, I mean, I actually didn't feel like it had a huge sea change in, in the way I experienced the game. Uh, one other quick thing is the game does introduce a new weapon type, which are the bows, uh, which I'm I felt... they You're not a fan. I thought they fit really well. I actually I... used mine right to my rifle. <laughs> Ooh, wow. I got one. Um, apparently the one you get from Petra does have random rolls. And random rolls are also um, Thank you, something Bungie. that is... Thank you, And <laughs> I actually have to eat some crow on the random rolls. I hated them in Destiny 1. I was so glad they were gone in Destiny 2. Um, because I think it's because, you know, they're named designed weapons. So, like, when you finally get one, it felt weird that it didn't perform the way everybody was talking about it. I'm like, oh, yes, I finally... Because in Destiny 1, I kept, like, getting weapons people were talking about and saying how awesome they were. And then I got one that had shit rolls and felt like crap to use. Um, However, how Bungie has approached it with this game is really cool. It, And I'm not quoting anybody from Bungie. I'm just, you know, speaking in my observation of the weapons i've gotten i could be wrong but it seems like the perk pools for each weapon that are random have been more curated to complement that weapon well um so you're not getting perks that are just like completely useless like you would in destiny one um and i've had some that have really really good synergy with each other and with um the weapon itself so I actually have liked that change a lot, and I did not um, think I was going to. I was very, very bummed out that it was coming back, but I'm definitely eating crow on that. I think it was a positive change for the game with how Bungie has approached it. And I think um, it seems like they took complaints of people like me into account with how they um, you know, assigned what perks could be on which weapons. Right. It, it is random, but maybe the pool from which they're pulling from is a little bit less wide. Uh, and as a result, maybe a little bit less devastating at times. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, so unless anybody has anything else, I kind of want to talk about Gambit. I actually don't have much to say on Gambit. I really haven't played much of it. Okay, Justin, how much Gambit have you played, buddy? Not too much. Um, I, have played, okay. I, I have played a few rounds of it. Um, it's cool. I like it. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's... It's a neat, like, that's kind of one, it's a mode that I think Destiny has really needed. Um, yeah. Because there is kind of this big divide between primarily PvE players and primarily PvP players in Destiny. Right. And Gambit is finally a mode where they can play together. And both sets can contribute. And I think that's really, really cool. Right. Um And just the way it works is fun. How about, we? uh, we probably should let Zach. How about you take it and explain? You know yeah. the the game mode. If if somebody's sure. listening and doesn't know, sure. So Gambit is the brand new mode. Uh, I it really doesn't have anything else like it in in the market uh, in terms of of co op meets uh, PvP style. But basically, 
uh, two teams of four face off against each other, but instead of hunting each other, you're largely focusing on a random any type, whether that be taken or forsaken or fallen. Uh, it's all decided at the beginning, and whoever you fight is the same enemy type that the other team is fighting. And as you fight and take down enemies, they will drop uh, basically these power motes. And as you collect power motes, you collect them and turn them into a bank that's uh, spawned onto your level. And again, you're in the same play space, but you cannot see the other team, uh, and you're facing different enemies. So it's two instances of the same fights. Um, and essentially, uh, at, at certain points, portals will open up based on your team's actions or the other team's actions. And one player on your team could jump into a portal and end up in the other instance where they could cause havoc and slow down the other team's progress. Ultimately, each team is trying to get to 75 moats. Once you 75 moats, a boss spawns. Whoever kills that, uh, that final boss wins the round. Uh, and, so so and, it's, um, it's kind of like a heist PvP PvE yeah, game. That sounds really Yeah, because like also, yeah, also the great. way you... Because um, saving the moats... Um, can give different things. So yeah, blockers. Uh, yeah, blockers. So basically, um, at different, I think it's five, ten, fifteen. Yep. I know fifteen's the max. Um, yep. It will spawn a different size blocker when you bank them on the other team's bank. Right. So it prevents them from turning stuff in. And again, if somebody else is trying the same strategy, but you block them, you could potentially give yourself a huge advantage to hit that seventy-five cap before they do. Yeah, and win the uh, primarch, which is the. Um, oh, Primeval, uh, yes. uh, which is the um, the boss character ends. Uh, the portal is open quite a bit during that fight, and if anybody on your team dies, the Primeval heals a bit. So, right. like, going into the other side while they're fighting the boss, you could, you know, take out some of their players, heal their boss, however, your team's down one um, for fighting the boss. So there's a whole lot of really cool risk-reward in there and like ways that you could have different roles on team for somebody who could be the invader um and stuff it's really it's a really neat mode i it's, haven't played anything like it before and it works really well for destiny right and like it it almost feels like co-op meets controlled griefing <laughs> yeah and that like and that like yes you control the other team but like it's gonna take a lot of organization to to be really really effective and this is a mode where I haven't had the opportunity to play uh, with friends because we're all on different platforms here, uh, Justin and John on, on PS4 and I'm on Xbox, it seems like a mode where if you had a, a group of four people who are all communicating well, you could absolutely dominate in the mode. Uh, it It is by far some of the most intense uh, and, and exhilarating uh, uh, any type of PvP in, in Destiny. Uh, and, and one of my favorite things that I think is just goofy is in between rounds, they put you in a room with a glass wall between you <laughs> yeah, and the other team. Yeah, and people yes. talk to each other with emotes. It's, it's a great opportunity for trash talking. It's just really, really uh, a great way to add something that's a little bit of flavor, but somewhere between strikes and a crucible. Uh, it, it's, it's a great addition. It's one of the most creative things that they've added in in a while, too. Um, 100%. It, now, it, I, I do it think... Has a, it has a distinct fl- flavor to it, and, like... It's also not the sort of thing that, like, you can figure out, like, a meta or best strategy for instantly. Because it's, you know, a new mode. Um, right. But I, I will say that this will be a mode that lives or dies on the variety that, that Bungie can maintain in terms of yes. environments and enemy types. I, we know that the annual pass, which is a new uh, uh, addition to the Destiny experience, is going to be adding some new flavors. Um but if that's not frequent enough, 
this could be eventually become a mode where you're like, oh, great, it's the same environment and the same enemy type, and it'll become fatiguing. Uh, but, I mean, as of right now, you know, five days in, it, it's a breath of fresh air, and it's a really great way to warm up before going into some serious matchmaking. I, I'm a big fan. I, I think, yeah, I, I, I like it a lot, too. Um, I want to play it more. I haven't had enough time to really put into the mode, but sure. I want to get a group together and really get into it because i'm not particularly good at crucible i like the pve stuff a lot um i think gambit could be a really cool mode to right. sink my teeth into absolutely okay so uh you know as we as we kind of start wrapping up gang um i, I kind of want to talk about our previous experience briefly uh with destiny and destiny 2 and kind of the expansions and, and kind of think about how does forsaken in terms of quality uh more so than quantity uh, uh kind of compare how do you feel compared to how you, you know, if for those of you who've played take, uh, Taken King or, or Rise of Iron, how does this feel? Um, so I'll jump on that one. Uh, so, you know, clearly this is doing for, the, you know, the intent behind this <laughs> is to kind of revamp and reinvent the game uh, for Destiny 2 the same way Taken King did for, you know, Vanilla Destiny. Um, and I think in that, on, on the face of it, not even having seen things like The Dreaming City yet, um, on the face of it, I think it does a phenomenal job of doing that. The game feels different to play. It feels better to play. There is now a... I mean, hell, I, I would say that... And again, I mean, I, I have not seen The Dreaming City, but I know what's I know what's coming. There is more content in the Forsaken expansion than Curse of Osiris and Warmind combined. Um, yep. Easily. If, if, if Easily. not triple. Um, there's, there, is a, there is a wealth of stuff to do. The grind is back. And, you know, some people, you know, when you say the word grind, uh, you know, it's, it's like a bad word, you know, but, but, uh, but like you play, like if you play Destiny, then you're, then, then, then you love the grind. That's part of the reason you're playing Destiny is for that grind, doing your bounties, doing, you know, doing your weeklies, um, you know, trying to get that power level up. Uh, I, I think I love the new, I love everything about it. I love it. Even the Crucible feels faster, better to play. This feels like signature Bungie again. It feels like Bungie back to the top of their game. Um, uh, it, it feels like I don't know. It feels like they got the swagger back, for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um. The you know, I, and I guess the question, the only question in my mind is, is, is will this be enough to bring lapsed players back to you know back into the fold? And I think it will. I I think that it's well. Before I go, Justin, talk a little bit about it. How do you feel? Uh, I. I, I'm not going to compare it directly to Taken King and Rise of Iron because I've spent a lot of time with the end games for those, um, right. and I have I haven't yet, and that's kind of like the big question mark for every kind of piece of Destiny content. Um, however, story like the story campaign alone, I think it is the best single um, story, the best story um, content that has been released for Destiny so far by a wide margin. Um, yep. and like with John said, where it feels like classic Bungie, like Forsaken in tone, story, lore, and even just overall design and game feel is what I thought Destiny was going to be at the beginning. Yep. Um, and so it's really exciting to see that finally realized and it makes me extremely excited for the future of Destiny. I mean, I, I... I was never one of the people that was particularly down on Destiny 2. Um, uh, I know know it got plenty of complaints, but I think, you know, a lot of those criticisms have been taken into account intelligently. Um, I think Bungie has finally figured out how to respond to um, community criticisms uh, in a way that doesn't alienate players and gets them really excited for the future. Um, 
which is something that they have struggled with um, in the past. Um, and yeah, it, it just really seems like this is the point where if they can continue releasing content that's this level of quality. I mean, I mean, just just um, if they can if they yeah. can deliver on the concept of the promise of it of an evolving dreaming city, then I mean, holy shit. Yeah, like like that that could that could be huge. This um, just, and I think that's something we're going to need to talk about in the future because um, that's going to be a new thing for Destiny. And if it pans out, it's going to be a big big deal. Um, but yeah, I uh, very positive on um, Forsaken. Um, but uh, what I will say is, it, it feels like an evolving piece of content. Um, but it, it feels substantial in that. Oftentimes, at the end of Rise of Iron, or, or even Taken King, while it's an enjoyable experience, um, three or four days later, I kind of like, that was it? I, yeah. I hit it? I hit this level cap? Um, and I, listen, this story content is far and away the strongest bit of content. It's actually made. fascinating. So it, like, it's it's a really well-written, oh, yeah. interesting, interesting, and spider... And, and they actually... And presumably they've executed on it in twelve months. Presumably yeah. they, you know, that this wasn't going on behind the scenes beforehand, yep. which is incredible because again, the the uh, bosses you face in this are, are some of the most varied um, and and challenging uh, in in the whole Absolutely. thing. Uh, Justin, you're back. We are talking yes. about just just in terms of people who come to this for for the the week of content in terms of story. Easily the best thing out there for, for Destiny, in my opinion. Easily. Um, and I think um, I think that is also really smart, and I think the way they're approaching the annual pass is very smart. I mean, we still have to see how that pans out. Right. Um, yeah, and that's, and that's everything, right? I think there is a... There's definitely a contingent of people that just like playing through the story campaigns when they come out, and then, you know, maybe, maybe they gear up for the raid, and that's kind of it. Um, and then they don't you know, like playing the little expansions in between, which is fine. Um, and I think now people can actually have that story campaign to look, look forward to if they uh, if they focus on that and build it like they have with Forsaken. Um, right. And then also, you know, the annual pass content is much more geared towards end game, long term, grind loving players. Um, right. Which is something that they really need to do. And I think if they pull off the plan that they have. Um, it's going to be awesome for the future of Destiny. Yep. Annual pass, uh, for me, is, is a pretty big question mark. Yes. Um, um, and, and also, I just want to add, the annual pass in terms of monetization uh, is pretty steep. Um, the asking price uh, for for Forsaken as an expansion pack is around $40, but if you get it with the annual pass, it's at 60 or 80 uh, in the U.S. It is 70 70 which is pretty steep. Um so in terms of them actually delivering on that, uh, we'll we'll see. Um, yeah. But but man, it is hard to not feel uh, excited or at the very least cautiously excited after the week I've had with this. Forsaken, feels right? this feels like this feels like Bungie has found their footing, found their confidence again. Yeah, it, it it feels like they figured it out. This is the tone that Destiny should have. Honestly, um, God, like Justin, this, is, this, yeah. this, this right here feels like what Destiny should have been from the beginning. And uh, but but I mean, but, it, but, you know, it's taken a it's while. Taken a while but, it's taken a I while. Mean, but we're here now. We've said that. We've said that. People have said that quite a few times in the past with Destiny. But I think, I think this time it is like Forsaken feels like a complete relaunch of Destiny. Not not just Destiny Two. 
but like it really feels like you, well you know what's interesting justin and, and this is a, this feels like a big well, moment the, so i Destiny. think this is the best way to put it and and this this will be my final point um some i saw somebody on twitter and it struck me they said wow i can't believe we're playing destiny 3 yeah 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 i mean it, it does feel like that leap doesn't it the, this feels like a leap between games not just an expansion to be perfectly honest with you yeah, um, yeah. Well, and just in terms of the way they're structuring it, and, and frankly monetizing it, but also their their roadmap on how they plan on executing content, rather than doing two middle experiences uh, throughout the year that are two hours long, how can they prolong that experience and execute something for? for I am 12 very months? excited to see what the future holds. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I also wanna um, before we get going, I forgot to mention this when we were talking about like some of the gameplay changes, but the whole new triumph system is really cool. really cool. Yeah. Um. And I, I think, like, um, so basically what they have added is categorized, just little challenges, basically, um, that add up to a total score. It's actually taken into account stuff that you've done all the way through Destiny 2. So there's stuff even from, pre, um, you know, Vanilla and the previous two expansions, um, as well as a way of just looking at all the items that you've gotten, not just, not just like, exotics. Like, there is full... Um, you know, there's like a full gallery of items that you can look through. It's really, really cool. And I think that's going to be awesome for long-term players because, I mean, even if they're not looking for particular gear, it can give them, you know, some kind of secondary goal to work for. Like, oh, I want to work on getting this Triumph. And there's actually physical rewards now for doing it. Um, I actually have earned the soundtrack um, for Forsaken from my Triumph score, which is really neat um they're kind of building on the t-shirts that they were doing with the like moments of triumph and everything right and, they, uh, they've the the triumph almost feels like so you've hit a level cap and you've hit our light level cap but there's still more to work towards and and like i feel like that kind of incentivized grind um is a way to reward players who've already pushed the game to its limits in terms of progression and um on top of that finally there is a lore tab, and you can read the lore in-game without having to go to a separate app or having it be forgotten entirely like it was early on in Destiny 2. Um, I'm personally a big fan of the Destiny lore, um, and I'm so glad that people are finally going to be able to read it. And I think, also, um, I won't go into particular spoilers, but there's some really cool lore stuff um, in, in Forsaken, and I'm really excited to see where that goes because it feels like they're finally starting to unify some of these disparate parts of the lore bring them into the story campaigns in the game as well as making the lore accessible to all players which is a very positive move absolutely all right with that guys uh i think that is going to do it for our destiny 2 talk now uh as we've mentioned throughout we do plan on revisiting this uh from from time to time as more content comes out whether that be a raid or some of the annual pass content so please keep up with us remember we try to go live every thursday keep an eye on our twitter feed at uh at official scgc thanks so much guys and have a great week thanks justin hey, and John. no problem